Hello, and welcome to There Are Other Ways, conversations about living life a little differently. I'm Fiona Barrows, a brand storyteller for small creative businesses. Hello. In this week's episode, I'm chatting to one of the amazing people I met while I was living in Bali, Victoria Jones. While I was there, Vic set up Sire Design, which takes rootwood, salvaged from plantations in Indonesia, and turns it into something beautiful and purposeful, handcrafted hair sticks. We had a really interesting conversation about the challenges and rewards of running a circular economy business, the movement towards slow, ethical fashion and consumerism, and the bigger mission behind her company. Vic is such an incredible person, and I really believe in Sire Designs and what the company is working towards. And I'm sure that after listening to this conversation, you will too. Hello, Vic. Hey, hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. What have you been, uh, what have you been up to? Um, this morning, <clears throat> I actually went to a, um, I applied for an internship because I'm doing, I want, I'm wanting to work with ceramics just as my as my art practice. Um, and so I went to go and meet this lady this morning in Oxford, which is where I am at the moment, who is a potter. And, um, and I was, yeah, asking her some questions about her work. And, and so that was kind of fun. I've had like a a nice morning and then I came home and sat with my mum, and she's been proofreading some of my dyslexic emails (laughs) <laughs> that sounds out. lovely yeah. that sounds really nice so is the is the ceramics just sort of it's just going to be a hobby well yeah I mean I I've worked with sculpture so I I went to fine art school and I did sculpture and worked with metal um and I've always you know always kind of made things but I, I definitely have put my art practice to the side as I've been working different jobs and also you know the past few years um starting Sire, which is you know it's been about a year just all these things that you know I've, I've ended up putting it to the to the side and so this year has been one of my commitments to myself is to kind of build in that time in my schedule to be creative which for me is kind of what keeps me I don't know stimulated and inspired and um so that's that's my plan now I've said it you know it's not these are the things just to make yourself accountable tell everyone then everyone will <laughs> absolutely it really is and it's so don't. it's so good when you put stuff like that out there yeah. um and then yeah it does hold you accountable and I think it is so important to especially when like your creative work becomes your job um or becomes like a form of income yeah. um to kind of keep something back for yourself and to keep being creative just for the sake of being creative yeah, definitely. I mean, you have to, I think you have to feel quite close to the process, um, to be able to come up with new ideas or, um, and so, but it is something that you can let slip, you know, cause you, it's one of those things you make yourself feel guilty for if you just spend too long, um, you know. Yeah. No, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, right. So let's, um, let's get started. Um, perhaps, um, you could just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, um, and how you are living life a little differently. Sure. Well, um, I'm, I was, grew up in Oxford and, um, went to art school in London and, um, spent the first few years working in an auction house, which I found fascinating because I was learning a lot of, um, art history and learning about the other side of the art world, which I found really interesting. Um, and 
I then and I and I was in that job for about two years, and I did have a little antiques business on the side. And I've I have always oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, it was a very. I basically just started buying loads of stuff and selling it online. And I'd always go to markets and buy things and sell things. And it was just it was just fun. It was you know it was just a really fun kind of project that I would do in between mm. college and. Um, but I guess, you know, I've always had quite a strong will to try and do my own thing, but I didn't feel ready. I think when I first left university that I was in a position to do that. And I, and, and I had a lot of, um, you know, my, my dad died when I was about 21 and that was quite a big milestone really in for me. Cause I think when you have big shifts like that in your life, it does make you, um, it gives you big personal shifts. You know, they really do make you rethink things and frame your experiences differently. And, and I think that made me, um, very passionate and quite committed to myself that I wanted to orientate my future in, the, in, in a meaningful way. And it makes you reevaluate what's important and, and mm. things like that. And, um, and I wanted to try and create, my experience, you know, changed the way I was kind of living my life, really. I felt like I was playing by, you know, I wanted to be able to play my own game a little bit. Um, and so really the past few years have been how I've been living life differently. In answer to your question is I've really tried to reframe that experience by trying to create my own game a little bit. Um, and that was you know, starting my own business and, and learning the skills that skill sets I needed to try and be independent. And, um, so for the past year, well, for the past two years, really, which is where I met you, um, was in Bali. And, um, the first eight months of that experience, I was working in an art center, um, teaching Steiner color theory in an, in an arts therapy program. Um, and I then became very aware of, um, the entrepreneurial spirit that was there, which is what you were a part of and, um, got really inspired, inspired by that. And I think that made me realize that, you know, I could learn a lot of different skill sets, um, quite quickly and there was a huge support network and I was learning a lot about the environment and um I was learning about the circular economy I was learning about how to create websites I was learning learning about how to you know um get softwares to do basic accounting marketing and that you could do a little a little bit of all of these yourself and um and I kind of, you know, Sire basically was what emerged from all of that coming together. And so, yeah. Um, fantastic. So, um, so what was, so you kind of mentioned quite a few things that you're sort of learning about there, but what was your sort of main motivation for setting up um, Sire Designs? What was it that sort of really sparked the whole thing off? Yeah, I think, you know, I really wanted to find a way to be, to 
create impact kind of consistently. Um, I always had, you know, a bit what we were saying earlier about, you know, creating art. I always had a slight complex that my art wasn't enough, um, that just creating things for my own pleasure and for myself wasn't quite enough. And I wanted to be able to um, create impact but do it consistently. You know, I felt like giving donations one-off or doing you know, and as you know, a weekend of volunteering, I, I felt that pang that it wasn't enough or consistent. And so I found the circular business model as a real light bulb because I found, you know, if we, if I can create a, a cycle or a system here that um, is able to generate some consistency, um, that would be a really great, that would be a really great thing to set up. And so I think that was really the main um, um, drive of mine and the other elements kind of fit in around it. So, and so what were the other elements? I mean, why, I presume one of them is the hair sticks themselves. Like mm-hmm. why, why hair sticks? Well, I mean, to an extent at the time I was, you know, I, I was learning a lot about um, the, illegal exploitation of hardwood tree species and um the more and more I tried to find out about it the more and more it became this big black hole that was a real gray area and I was learning that local councils equivalent in Bali is the Banjars um Mm. and the shipping companies were signing off documents no one was talking about it you'd sit with locals and you'd you know, you try and find out as much as you can, but that there was no information and no one willing to really tell you, um, the reality of what was happening. And I just thought that was nuts. Um, and so that became, it became a real like bee in my bonnet. You know, I developed a bee in my bonnet and, (laughs) um, you know, I think, yeah, the environment for me became my kind of my pick in a way, because I think often people say, you know, with activist type things, you know, you kind of choose your topic and it's not that I don't feel passionate about other issues or social issues. It's just more that from my feeling, it was just like, if we lose the planet, we lose everything. And I've grown up always with a real deep kind of love for nature. And I wanted a way to be able to contribute to these NGOs. I found this amazing NGO in Lombok, um, which is the island next to Bali. And um, they were working with community for community forest projects. So they were um, planting trees within community land because there's there's a big dis, uh, kind of dispute for land ownership. And um, so the idea was to to create a network that I could give back to them consistently. And I was learning a lot about the. Um, you know, I was learning kind of bits of SEO knowledge. Um, I wanted to be able to show people, find a solution to alternative wood types, um, show people how beautiful these natural resources are when sourced sustainably. And I had to, you know, it came down really simply that I had to think of something small, functional and unique and Mm. small. So I could use the offcuts and it was easy to ship functional so it had a purpose and there was a demand and unique so I could use the bits of of um of SEO kind of strategy that I've been learning in places like Hubbard the co-working space and um 
and and find its audience and and just and give it and provide a kind of um and so I kind of created this whole brand around you know a really small collection um that will eventually grow into other products and expand in different ways but I had to start with something really simple and go Mm. over the cycle a couple of times and um and so that was, you know, that's really the gist of it. And on the way, I became a hairstylist. <laughs> um, so you say, um, you said there about the offcut. So the wood that you use is from, is the abandoned root wood from um, plantations in Indonesia. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it's taking something that is completely, that has no purpose. It doesn't have any, I don't think it has, it doesn't have any nutri- nutritional value for the soil either, I think, because it takes so long to decompose. So it's taking something redundant and turning it into something that's really beautiful and useful, um, as you said. Right. And often um, these roots are ripped out anyway and burnt. So that's the other thing which kind of triples its, um, you know, effect on climate change, which is the... Um, carbon released when burning it and so you know there's so many of these plantations that have like first second and third growth forests and after the third round um you know they wait until these trees are relatively let's say kind of teenage or 20 years or so depending on the species so it's kind of it all differs but they wait until they're kind of 20 or so plus years and then they're chopped down and the second or third growth um, is planted. And often they're burnt because they're trying to make room for um, the next round. But after the third growth forest, the the ground is redundant because it's stripped of all its nutrients. And so they sometimes give away this land to farmers to grow pig feed or corn um, and then they just find a new patch of land. And that's obviously how kind of deforestation has just um, moved so rapidly because they can't keep reusing the same land. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think that um, it's one of those things where you think of wood as being a sort of a, a natural sustainable material and you wouldn't think that there would be all these sort of issues ethical and environmental issues around it and I think it's really fantastic that what you're doing is sort of opening opening up this sort of can of worms and sort of exploring it and bringing it more to like because I mean before um before I started I became friends with you and then um helped with your website I hadn't realized what what an issue it was Mm -hmm. um so I think it's really I think it's really interesting that you're I think it's really great that you're doing this Yes, thank you. Well, I think it's great you're doing these podcasts and, you know, keeping this conversation flowing. Because I think that, you know, really, I think, you know, it's the same thing. It's just, you know, it, it's creating the dialogue and asking questions. Actually, um, we had a conversation when I was still in Italy mm-hmm. Um and I remember thinking at the time, you were sort of one of the motivation motivations for me starting this podcast. Because I remember thinking at the time, what how fantastic that conversation was and thinking, I really want to be able to share this and I want to be able to have more of these conversations. Mm. Um, so yeah, so thank you. Oh, cool. No, <laughs> yeah, no, I I think it's I think it's great. You know, I think I don't know, I think there needs to be I mean that you know, I think there needs to be platforms that we're able to um talk about all these different things and and you know and it's happening more and more and more and it's um people are asking more and more questions and i and i I think it's a really interesting time because of that 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, so site is obviously a circular economy business. Um, so what are sort of the rewards and challenges of that? I don't know. I'd say in short, the, the, the challenge, I, th- I think the challenges to any business or any project, if I'm, you know, from what I can gauge is that, you know, they're, it, it, you know, it's hard, whatever you do, you know, working a job or having any challenges, it's a, it's a challenge because it's, it's challenging and there are, there are always curveballs. And mm. I think the, the, what makes a circular economy business or social enterprise or sustainable, you know, any of these type businesses is that you're adding more curveballs. You know, it can take longer. It can be more time consuming. It's really context specific. You know, it can be more expensive. It can be less efficient. Um, so you re- I think what is really important is, you know, really trying to embed those things into your communications with whoever it is, you know, your, what, what, what your service or what your product is, because, you know, if you, if you're, you know, switching the hemispheres to the UK and the US or, or, or other parts of the world expect things just to come like Amazon, um, in comparison to, to, you know, other parts around the world that just don't work on that time frame. You know, you've you've got to make it really clear that it's it's slow, <laughs> it's, <laughs> and it's not fast. You know, slow fashion, not fast fashion, and 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 that, I think that's tricky because people kind of get it. And they're like, yeah, I get it. It's interesting. It's fun. Like when you watch a film, like you get, you know, a, a snippet, and you. But the reality is is can be frustrating, and I think. The extra curveballs, you know, of all those things make it, I think, tough sometimes. Mm. I think what you, I think you've really hit the nail on the head there because you say, I think on the one hand, um, the sort of, the knowing where where the product comes from um, and the fact that it is artisan made and the fact that the supply chain is completely transparent is why people buy from small ethical businesses. Mm. But it's also why people then get frustrated, I think. And I think that it's, as you say, it's, I think a big part of what you do is sort of managing people's expectations in that, in that way and saying, you know, this is the reality of running a company like this. Mm. Um, and you know, and you could be creating hair sticks on demand made from, um, you know, made from pine or, uh, you know, wood that is, you know, has just been chopped down, um, and made in China and it would probably all be a lot easier, but that's not what you're about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, you have to create that conversation. I was, I was doing Spitalfields Market the other weekend, last weekend, and, um, I met this funny guy and he was a market trader and he was, you know, it's like, all right, so what are you up to then? What are you selling here? <laughs> and I, and so I did my, you know, I did my thing and I was like, these are actually made from salvaged wood from old commercial plantations. And, you know, we're working with an NGO to work on reforestation projects. And he's just like, all I can hear is the price going up and up and up. He's like, nice one, you know, nice one, mate. And I was just <laughs> like, no, this isn't a, <laughs> like, this isn't this isn't a spiel like this is a thing like this is why it's like you know it it takes time it takes a lot of you know these things take huge amounts of research despite what the product is you know the the concept alone is 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 um is is the point really Mm -hmm. and I think 
to me, that's where things need to, you know, everything needs to head. But it's the reality is that it will take, you know, will take a bit more time. Yeah, I think I think physical products have just become so devalued. Like we're just so used to being able to get sort of T-shirts for a pound, a couple of pounds from Primark um, and stuff so cheaply that I think that we've kind of slightly got slightly detached from um, the process and the amount of work that goes into creating or that can go into creating things. Um, So I kind of see you as being very much part of this sort of broader movement of which I think there is it is a real movement now towards mm-hmm. slow fashion towards ethical um, ethical fashion and, and conscious consumerism um, and so I just sort of wondered how you do you sort of see yourself as being part of that movement and is that really important to you yeah definitely I think you know I do I do see myself as being part of that movement you know not a huge um you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big business, so I'm not a huge part of that, but I'd, you know, I'd like to be more and I'd like to the things that I do in the future to be, create a bigger impact. Um, and I do, you know, obviously think that's incredibly important. And I think, you know, for me, that's the only way I feel the economy, um, will, it should, should be heading. Um, and, you know, I think that if we were all competing against who could be the most, um, environmentally conscious, who could, you know, pay all of their staff a living wage rather than a minimum wage, or who could, you know, consciously source their materials better than one another, or who could create more impact or link or support a um, NGO or, or organization um, in a different part of the world or in their local community. You know, if we were competing against those things, if those things were the, were the value and the currency, which they, they are, but you know, then capitalism would work on its, you know, on its head, you know, backwards or against itself. And, you know, that's what I'd like to see happen. And and I think it is starting to happen, happen. And I think um, companies are becoming quite fearful. Big corporate companies are becoming quite fearful of being shamed and being called out on things that they're not doing well. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's definitely becoming more, um, sort of accepted and more, um, commonplace, I guess, for, um, the ethics of how something was made to play a part in someone's buying decision. I don't think mm. that it's, I don't think for many people it's a big part, but I think that it is definitely a part. But I think something that I've kind of realized though is that it's those, those big chains where those big companies where perhaps the biggest opportunity for, change is but it's also those companies that have the biggest problems i think because their supply chain is so long and so extended Mm. and so complicated um and i was doing quite a lot of research into sort of the different brands that i buy from on a regular basis Mm -hmm. um and the issues around around it all are so complicated i guess and it's just you really begin to understand what a big problem it is i guess um and I think that a lot of those big companies are making real, real, you know, real steps forward, but it is going to take a long time and it is going to be slow and sluggish, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think it's so great that there are now so that now more and more smaller companies are sort of cropping up um, who don't have, who aren't burdened with the same um, with the same sort of um, complexity of supply chains, et cetera. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's in a way that why there is this big entrepreneurial kind of spirit, I guess, is because it, it is easier to do these things on a small scale. But when it um, but when it becomes on a big scale, you know, obviously that, you know, you want people like Zara and H&M and all the, you know, large um, labels to be having those same values and policies and standards. But the reality is hard because it's how do you create that quantity? How do you you know, get together, build that big of a team, you know, how do you do all of that on a really big scale and, um, and, and be competitive, you know, and, and trade against other competitive, mm. you know, brands. And, and, and so it is, it is tricky. So who are you looking into or what, what brands are um, you looking I into? quite a few different ones I tried to I tried to find an ethical sportswear a proper ethical sportswear company and just couldn't because mm-hmm. I really needed a new pair of trainers and was sort of like I was like I really want to buy from an ethical and sustainable company and they, one just doesn't really exist at the mm-hmm. moment um but it was interesting because I was looking at Project Just which I think has now closed down or it's not it's not updating anyway which gives like a really great rundown of the different brands and different companies and mm-hmm. what they're good at and what they're not so good at. Um, but I remember reading though, that actually she said Adidas and Nike are massive. They're not currently ethical, but they are actually, because of their size, they're using that to their advantage and they're doing a lot of really innovative stuff, mm-hmm. I think. So sort of making trainers out of, uh, plastic, recycling plastic bottles, mm-hmm. um, to use as a trainer fact, uh, fabric, etc. which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I saw that actually, I think like a new range or a new design that came in, that's been made from um yeah recycled materials or something and I thought that was interesting Mm, I think I think I think there's definitely people trying I think sometimes it's not enough and it's not sort of taken I think I sometimes I worry that there's a slight bit of greenwashing around Mm -hmm. it as well but sort of quite a few companies sort of do this as a a sort of a PR move I don't know maybe that's me being very cynical no I think it's I think it's the reality I think it's very true and I think, um, you know, we all need to become a bit more clued up on, on, you know, I think we can get lost in these buzzwords. Um, and I think, you know, it just, it takes a little bit of, of a foot in the door and a few questions, you know, once you've gone around the same questions a couple of times, you know, you can ask people, you, you can nitpick a little bit through their screen. It depends how, you know, mm. how much they've done their research, you know, but the, the power is on us. You know, if we do our research as much as possible, we can tell when someone's, you know, BSing. Mm, absolutely. And you sort of, um, sort of, sort of, at the same time as building your business, you also seem to be sort of consciously trying to create a bit of a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've done quite a few collaborations with uh, similar companies. Um, was that sort of a big, is that sort of a big part of what you want to do? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, for me, that's a way that I'm exploring what SIA can turn into. You know, there's an aspect of it that, you know, I am, you know, similar to kind of what you're doing with this podcast, you know, I kind of want to use an element of SIA as a real dialogue opening avenue that's connecting me with the community, um, learning who these people are, what they're passionate about, what they're wanting from um, the different areas or industries or issues um what people are able to do you know and and I think that's a big part doing this kind of it's a big part I think learning and listening is a huge part um yeah so I Mm -hmm. think it's really a way for me to kind of listen and um 
um, you know, make visible things that I think and other people alongside me also think are really interesting. And so we started this kind of campaign um, this year, which was um, t- it was turning heads for all the right reasons, but it, it now is turning heads for good because it's a bit shorter. And it was a kind of a hashtag campaign. And um, so it's hashtag turning heads for good. And the idea is that, you know, the community that I'm building and all the, the people in it um, use it as a, as a way to share stories that they find, you know, and praise other people and make things visible that they think interesting and, and to put that hashtag onto stories that they kind of think um, they want to kind of um, celebrate and, um, and, and, it, and it's really interesting because I think um, lots of people have very different, you really learn the different things that people appreciate. And, um, mm. and so it'll be interesting. I think it's definitely kind of um, interesting to see where that will go. It's, it's, it's really exciting. I mean, so is that sort of, so you mentioned a few times that you'd like to sort of expand the range of products through mm-hmm. site. Is that sort of the future that you're sort of moving towards? Yeah, I mean, again, it depends on what um, what suits the nature of what Sire becomes. You know, at the moment, it's a small e-commerce business, um, you know, and, and it may be that, you know, areas of that are, are limiting, whether that's creating more products. You know, I don't really want to create something that's kind of Amazon orientated or, you know, like, you know, huge quantities. Um, but we did create it to be a certain model so it could um, work quite smoothly as a small enterprise, but I'd like it to have some different avenues. And, you know, I'd quite like it to, you know, potentially be part of some kind of platform where, you know, if it's not, if I don't create more products and and different products, I I could either create different products around it, um, wood products and and keep working around um, reforestation and, and, keep the conversation going. Um, and I could also link up with other circular businesses and create, you know, kind of Etsy type platform. Yeah. Um, where we all, we all talk about this kind of stuff and we, we talk about third party certifications and standards and, um, you know, what's okay, what's not okay. And we have, we create a community and a platform for people doing similar things. Um, around different issues um, and put it all in one place. I think that could be another interesting avenue, but you just don't know. You know, I just, I, you know, I've got a kind of, you know, I've got some idea, but I think it very, is very much up to, you know, what happens over time. Um, Letting it grow organically and seeing what sort of works and what doesn't and then sort of responding exactly, to that, exactly, I guess. Exactly. Which I think is how all sort of successful businesses grow. I think that it's great to have something to work towards, but I think you also have to sort of be open to different things that could crop up. Yeah, 100% and not be stuck in those expectations or think, you know, I, it sounds kind of crazy and I'll sound kind of crazy, but I've, I've kind of treated this whole process a little bit like having a child and becoming pregnant so I, I keep like yeah Corey I've been we've been joking this whole time because she's like you know what stage are you at now and you know I've you know I felt like I, I kind of had this idea and I got pregnant and it grew and the, all you know I was just all the ideas and it got to this point where I was so ready and due because this idea had you know I feel like I covered all the bases and it was just ready to kind of 
you know, and then I, I, I kind of launched it and gave birth to this child project. And then it, you know, and then it was just like complete reactive mode. Like, what do I need to do? What needs to happen? How do I do this? How do I quickly learn, you know, this, this, and this, and then, you know, super intensive and also really self-exposing, which is like a huge hurdle that, um, I hadn't really put myself out like that to any, you know, to such an extent. And so all these things like fear and emotion and late nights, like, Oh my God, what am I doing? Um, and then it gets to kind of calming it down a bit. And, you know, I feel like I'm in this like terrible twos period where, you know, it's just like, there's just, yeah, lots of curveballs and trying to figure out how to piece things and, you know, whoops, just smashed a jar, need to fix that, you know? Yeah. I'm just just building it like that. And I'm, I'm just, I'm kind of, yeah. So it sounds kind of crazy, but it's helped me like, philosophically philosophically (laughs) understand my emotion behind all these stages I think that is such a good analogy like I'm I'm going to completely borrow that I'm just kind of wondering what like what's next like because there's like the angelic stage that children get to isn't there so is that what we're sort of is that maybe that's coming I don't know what what, what age is the angelic stage I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's like, I feel like he's going to talk to some parents and just say, look, what, you know, what's, you know, what's going on with your three-year-old at the moment? Yeah, exactly. And then we'll know what's coming. Then we'll know what's coming. No, it's such a, it's such a good analogy. Um, so just changing track slightly. So Mm -hmm. moving away from your business, um, a little bit more sort of about your life. Um, so you spent quite, you were out in Bali for a lot longer than I was. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're now back in Oxford. Um, is a plan to sort of stay put for a bit or to continue traveling? Yeah, I think, I think we are going to stay put for a bit. Um, I think it's, I think we really felt after being away for two years, I mean, we really didn't travel so much in terms of, you know, even though we were on the other side of the world, we, you know, we went to the beach like a handful of times and, you know, we really did, we were really trying to make things work. And so, um, I think it was a really, it was quite an intensive time. I think a lot, a lot happened. A lot was changing. We were learning lots of new things and it was a really kind of, um, a really amazing learning time. Um, and I think now it was really important to ground our experiences and just stay put in somewhere that we kind of recognize. And, um, I think we're using it as a kind of a little bit of a, um, what's the word? Like a re yeah, a kind of, um, a refresh and, um, to see what the next chapter is and not jump right into something else. Um, so, and, so yeah. just just for listeners, we is you and your boyfriend Rich, who also yes. runs his own companies, plural, right? Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I knew who you were talking. About. <laughs> I just wanted to yes. make sure that other people. <laughs> um, so, how do you how do you juggle that between the two of you? Um, because you obviously still go back to Bali um, for Sire Designs. You go back quite. Do you go back fairly regularly? Well. I went, I went in November. I was there in the summer also. Um, and I think I'll go at one point this year for about three weeks. Um, I'd like to go for longer, but, but it's just, it, it depends what, you know, what I can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's only been, it's, it's been, it's just been over, yeah, kind of less than a year since we've left. So there hasn't been the need to kind of go over. I'd like to not go so frequently because I don't think it's the most um, economical, but 
yeah. and also environmentally conscious as well exactly not not that i not that I, I mean i'm as much to blame for that as um as anyone yeah, else flying around you know flying around just to go and buy some shoes is a not a thing any of us should be doing not that that's what i would be doing but you know just <laughs> willy-nilly jumping on a plane is is yeah not not good yeah um, so do you think do you think that your lifestyle sort of informs your business in that sense like was there like a conscious decision when you set up site was the kind of lifestyle that you wanted part of that decision yeah I mean I think there was a vague concept that I you know I'd like to um it kind of circles back to your initial question um you know how are we living life a bit differently I think you know uh, definitely a big part of our decisions uh, and risk taking was to try and create a life that worked around us um as a as a individuals and as a couple um but at the same time you know you just you don't know what it's going to be like until you start doing it mm-hmm. um so there's you know there's different difficulties you know that we don't have weekends or we don't switch off or we take you know work home and vice versa and um so you know i think our, part of our aim definitely is to try and create um a flexible schedule i think um and and be able to build in times um be able to build in things in our in our in our life that's important being creative is important to us um and for many people and you know being able to do that and not feel too pressured is is a really is a, is a really real luxury you know our time is everything and um you know i think we're still trying to we're still trying to kind of put the pieces together and and make it work smoothly but we're not quite mm. there yet we're which is fair of, enough i think i think it does take yeah. a lot of time especially when there's two people's businesses and, and and it, exactly to kind of fit together um yeah i, can I mean that's like a whole other podcast that one just you know <laughs> couples and making it you know your different agendas and the compromise the, the whole compromise. i'm also not the best person to do that either because i'm i'm uncoupled and um definitely take advantage of the fact that it's only me that i have to consider um i don't yeah. know how i would do it how i would do it, how i would <laughs> function having to think about someone else and what they want i just i don't i don't think yeah i'm definitely not the person yeah, yeah. to uh to do that podcast um when it comes to compromise i don't know i just be like well don't compromise i, I give terrible advice but like just don't don't compromise i like, just do what you yeah, want yeah. yeah exactly um right so what has been the hardest thing for you about living life a little differently I think self-discipline has been um, a big one. You know, I, I think that's always been something that I've been, you know, struggled with a little bit, but it's now become on me if I don't do it, which in a way is some of the best learning you can do is when it, I think you do learn things when they really affect you or really um, make a difference if you don't do it. So things like exercising and um, doing all the things that you know you should do, you know, um, and not just doing them at the new year, just keeping that routine, um, throughout the day because it it makes such a difference. And you realize when you're feeling a bit kooky or like offbeat, you know, you know that you haven't like been looking after yourself or doing some things that you, and it's just so self-discipline, I'd say is a big one. Um, and 
Um, I'd say I am getting better, but you know, I think I'm just making myself feel better by saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I'd say I'm, I'm getting better. And, um, yeah, so self-discipline has been a big one. I think, you know, another big challenge has been, you know, the environmental, I think, you know, the topic that I've chosen to take on is, you know, so above me in many ways, but I'm really trying to reach out to people, um, to learn more. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really difficult. It's, you know, it's like anything, you know, things aren't quick fixed quickly and issues won't be solved quickly. And I think just coming to terms with that realization and trying to, um, you know, stay really positive and stay really productive, um, even when things feel really far away, it's a, it's a real strength of character. And so I think I'm really trying to adapt to that. Um, you know, and I've been reaching out to people in different organizations. And, you know, last year I went to the David Attenborough Center and met um, people from the RSPB, which is a UK bird charity, and um, the WWF and Flora and Fauna International, which is kind of the, the, the plant equivalent, to talk to people and ask them questions and ask, you know, to them, you know, what direction should we be heading in? You know, what, what's your view on this? Are you hopeful? Yeah. And, and getting those kind of bits of insight, I think really help with that. Um, because you don't feel like you're challenging, taking it all on your own shoulders. And I think, you know, I, I think, you know, it's important not to put it all on your own shoulders because we have to work all together. Hmm. Um, but that's been, that's been quite a big one. You know, there's been times where I felt really bummed out about, um, the scale of, you know, what I'm trying to tackle and the potential, you know, what I've got on my fingertips right now. So, um, mm. you know, I think being patient and remaining optimistic and, and just like, yeah, I take a lot of like inspiration from people like Jane Goodall. It's actually her birthday today. If you, yeah, it's the 3rd of April. <laughs> the date we're and recording this. Amazing. Yeah. Um, well, happy birthday, Jane. Yeah. Because she's also going to be listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, right. So, and what has been what has been the best thing for you? The best thing I think has been um, getting through personal bound, like breaking personal thresholds, pushing myself a bit more than I have done with other things. Um, you know, and really, you know, taking risks and putting myself out there. I think, you know, I think, um, there's something to be said. Yeah. I think there's something to, I think there's so much personal growth that happens when you just try something and put yourself out there. And, um, and I found that really, really rewarding. And I feel that like that's something that I can apply to so many different, um, chapters of my life with different projects um, so I'd say as a whole, and also really humbling, you know, like you kind of said earlier, you know, when, when someone, when you're putting yourself out there and, and asking, you know, just the smallest email or people trying to help you or give you their time for free or teach you something or, you know, give you a little bit of a kind of just like a thumbs up, anything suddenly becomes really, um, you know, so appreciative, um, and so I think I've, I, I, I felt really, and what people believing in you, it suddenly all becomes very like melodramatic, but it's kind of, 
it comes down to just something really simple of just like you trying to do something and people trying to support you. And um, I've had a lot of that along the Mm -hmm. way from people I've still never met and people, you know, in my family and, and yeah. And so that's just made me really um, appreciative of of your like support network and how important that is. Mm -hmm. I I completely agree. Um, And it was the conversation that we're having before we started recording um, when I was saying that one of the best things about this podcast is that um, is it's, it's getting emails from people who have listened and who say that they're really connecting with what, I'm saying and what my guests are saying um mm. that just I mean you get one of those emails and it just makes your day <laughs> like I'm just like yeah. really ear to ear all day um and it's really nice to kind of feel like you're part of a collective and that you're sort of being supported and encouraged um and that's just yeah that's really magical I think yeah 100% it was funny because I, I read a comment someone had written on a blog or something, I think. And they said like, you know, I love supporting small businesses because I feel like every time I do, there's someone behind the computer that like does a little dance. Yes. <laughs> and it's so true because, you know, like even now, anytime a sale comes in, I just get this like great feeling of just like, cool, great. You know, yeah. like, you know, and you just get so excited. Or if someone sends you a really nice comment on something, you're just like, you, I'm not going to reply as emotional as I could do, you know. Like lots of love, no best wishes. Um, but like, you know, it really does, you know, when you're trying to pursue something that you feel passionate about, I think, you know, it really does, you know, everything just becomes really, um, important. All of those things. It's also why I chose to only work with small independent businesses, um, and entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. because I, I love the fact that I can help people to, to to build the businesses that they want to do and to have the impact that they want to do um yeah that's something that I and it's it's knowing that you know that I'm writing something that will make them or will give them more um opportunities and potential for that happy dance that I just really love and I just I just get a real buzz out of that um and it wouldn't be the same if I was um writing copy for you know for big corporations um where it's all about the money and it's all about selling and it's all about, um, you know, the bottom line. And there's not necessarily really anyone behind it who is, who really cares about it in the same way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it feels like we're all on the same team. Yeah. That's a really nice feeling. Um, so for Mm. anyone who would like to find out more about Cider Signs and, uh, perhaps Mm. purchase one of your beautiful hair sticks, I get so many compliments about it whenever I wear it. Um, I've had people stop me in the street and ask me about it. (laughs) Um, so if anyone would like to, where do they find you online? Um, your website and also your social media as well. Well, the website is sidedesigns.com and, um, the, you know, we have a Facebook and Instagram also, which is side, um, sire underscore underscore designs. And on there we have our turning heads for good campaign. So if any of you also felt like joining in, I'd really love that. And, you know, the, the kind of the gist of it is that we're all kind of sharing things that we find, um, about people, stories about the people or planet that we find inspiring. So um, you can find us there where there's, um, you know, a a group of people um, talking about interesting things. And you can also find me on the Instagram page. 
perfect. Um, Vic, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It was really lovely. I mean, it was lovely on a personal level just to get to chat to you again. Um, and, yeah, 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 me too. Um, and I really enjoyed recording this podcast. And I just think it's um, just what you're doing is just so fantastic um, and having a real impact. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. Two more things. I'd absolutely love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast if you're enjoying listening to it. It really does help put it in front of other people who might like it. And secondly, please do also subscribe to my newsletter, Letter and Notes. I send it every Monday morning and it includes a short essay from me about my own experience in living life a little differently and in running a thoughtful and creative business. You can subscribe and also find out more about the work that I do, helping creative business owners share their brand story online on my website, www.fionabarrows.com. Until next time. Thank you.